is uh, divine walls. There's been blockage on every side. Everything we've been doing feel like we've been running into a wall. All the plans for expansion, just wall. Walls everywhere around. And so the word divine increase, the Lord, you know, standing on that word for six months helped me not lose my mind. Can we get an amen? amen? You know, and the Lord wants to test your heart in the midst of waiting on him to deliver his promise. And the question is, through faith and patience, you inherit the promise. But how are you acting when it's not happening on your timetable? You know, God isn't a magician. Say, so God's not into magic. He's not a magician. He's God. And so God has given us his word. And when God gives you his word, he's given you a promise and he's given you an oath. And God says he cannot lie. That's one of the attributes about our heavenly father is that it's impossible for him to lie. And so when God says something, his promises are yes and amen. But you have to take that promise and you have to hold on to it and not let it go. Abraham took him 20 years before he got his promise. And if you look at the life of Abraham, he decided to help God and created an Ishmael. Listen, anytime your wife tells you, take my servant to be your wife, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Don't do it. It doesn't matter how pretty she is. It doesn't matter if it's going to fulfill the promise that you will have an heir. You know, Sarah was barren. So she came up with a plan. And Abraham went with it. Which is a bad plan. Not a good idea. Look at somebody and tell them, don't get in the flesh. Stay in the spirit. How do you stay in the spirit? You hold on to the word. You hold on to the promise. You declare the promise. You pray the promise. You worship God in the midst of waiting on the promise. But in due season, you will reap the harvest if you do not faint. Can I get an amen? So don't become weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because God is not a man that he should lie. And if God says something, then you will see it come to pass because he watches over his word to perform it. Uh, there's a story about Daniel praying, and there was uh, resistance in the heavens for, what, 21 days before the breakthrough came. So the minute God gives you a word, he wants that thing to be released in your life, but the enemy does not want the word of God to be broken through in your life, and he wants to resist it from happening. But family, we're not quitters. We're not giving up. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. And if God said it, it settles it. Amen. And God said this was a year of divine increase on every side. And I am standing and believing June, July, and August. We're going to see the hand of God break every barrier, every wall, every resistance of the enemy. So we can step into what God has promised us for this season. In Jesus' name. And so June 1st hit, and I tell you, everything started unlocking. It just started unlocking. So we've been waiting on our house for two years and five months. You know how long that is? It's a little longer than anybody ever in St. Lucie County. 
people that built their homes by themselves got it built faster than we did. We waited for FPNL to put a meter into our thing for 12 weeks. Just for a little majundi that turns the power on in the house. 12 weeks. I think we waited six months in permitting. Longer than that, like eight months. Two years and five months, people. But praise the Lord. June 1st hit. We got our meter. Suddenly everything sprung forward. And we might be in there this week and like in the next day or two. Amen. So, you know, we've been, we've been wanting to expand over our Port St. Lucie location. Because we're adding another 90 children to our school this year, to our academy. And we got a playground that we're putting in. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the playground of playgrounds. It's like a $350,000 playground. We got turf, baby. They, they are clearing. We are turfing the thing. New playgrounds, basketball courts. Thanks, Manny Fresh. Basketball court. We got all kinds of cool stuff coming in there. We're starting to break walls down to expand for our classrooms. Everything's moving forward. We've been delayed, but we have not been denied. Can I get an amen? We are expanding and we're increasing. It's already full. The school's already full. Yeah. If we don't have those walls, kids are going to be lined up outside. We got like 38 days or something to get it done. That's the only problem we've ever had is space. I'm telling you, it's the only space. We just need more and more of it. Because when you have kids, you need space for kids. Amen. And so we've been working on Dr. Tracy and Pastor Havana's paperwork. You don't understand immigration. You just don't understand. If you want to come here legally, you do not understand what you have to go through to come through legally. You don't know the pain. You don't know the cost of lawyers. You don't know the process, the time, them holding things. And we, we are trying to get Havana over here as a performing arts director. But the government doesn't see that position as a ministry position in our ministry organization. It's not traditional. So this is what traditional ministry looks like according to the government. Me standing here doing this. And so we had to submit three rounds of paperwork to get that thing processed. And I got a phone call on Friday afternoon at about four o'clock. And I was told that her paperwork got approved. Yeah! Yeah! And so... Her and her mom are approved. They're going to be here in the month of July. She actually got her appointment this week, Wednesday, for a visa, and it usually takes like 20 days, 25 days. She got it in three days. Just acceleration. And so she, she's going to be here very, very soon, her and her mom. And, and what we're doing in the new school year is we are establishing. They're coming over for a reason. We've been believing for them to be here for a while now, a couple of years. And where we're heading in this next school year is we are establishing a Bible school here. Yeah. 
right? Dr. Tracy has been working with Bible schools for like 20 years, right, over there in South Africa. She's been working with some of the top Bible schools over there. She has her doctorates in theology. She's actually writing all the curriculum and putting everything together so we can have our own Bible college right here at Pure. And we're going to be raising up Christian educators to work in our organization because we are an international organization and we're going to raise up people like missionaries and send them all over. Can we get an amen? To reach the next generation. We're going to lay this foundation in children and they're going to grow up knowing who they are, knowing their calling, knowing who God is. And they're going to graduate high school, stepping right into their lives that God has designed for them. Can we get an amen? So we are taking this three-year Bible school curriculum, and we're not just doing it in the Bible college, but we're breaking it into our actual school. If we're going to be a Christian school, we need to have foundations in theology built into your Christian school, wouldn't you say? You go to most Christian schools, they got some rinky-dink Christian education. It's just parents pulling their kids out of public school and putting them in a smaller group of public school. Nobody getting saved, nobody getting delivered, Nobody getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody knowing who they are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Yes. And so we're putting a foundation in so that when kids graduate high school, because we're going to move there next, we're going to do a high school of the performing arts. Can we get an amen? It's going to happen. It's going to be called pure high. No high like the most high. And so just like you dual enroll in college and graduate with your AA or whatever it is, people can dual enroll in our Bible college and our high school and graduate with their bachelor's in theology. And so it's going to be a high school that is uh, evangelism high school. It's going to be for raising up kids in business and it'll be for raising up kids in ministry. And we're actually, with Pastor Chris, we're going to start putting together a high school that's going to be an evangelism team that are going to do crusades in this city. We're going to have the performing arts. We're going to have it all. We're going to have the Aldabara Shumbele Bukas Salokayaya Mesumba. In Spanish, that means epic. Right, Tonka? And so that has broken through. Amen. Because if that didn't break through, then the things we've had in our heart to establish this final piece to the puzzle so that we can have this foundation laid and start preparing for youth revival. And let me say something. This house right here, the, the people that are in this house, we are here to establish a, a wall of protection around the next generation. So that when the wave of God, hello, the wave of God, we've been talking about this forever. It's been before us forever. When the wave of God hits the next generation, it's not going to fall apart because there's going to be a group of people that understand how to carry that move of God and not let it die out. Amen. We have to protect the move of God coming to awaken another generation. And it takes more than just having a service to have a revival. 
We have Monday through Friday where we'll be able to minister to children in our own centers from infancy through high school. So when, when Misty and I, when we were doing kids and youth ministry, it was Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, and maybe a Friday night. So what do you got? Six hours a week that you get to minister to children? The world has more influence over our kids than we do. So if you're supposed to influence them, how is that six hours a week going to outweigh the other 60, 70 hours that they're being indoctrinated by the things of the world? And in today's day and age, we have social media. Kids have access to everything in the world right in their hands. There is no protection. And we need to have a place where our kids can come and saturate in the presence and in the Word of God, that we can raise them up. There's no junior Holy Ghost. There's only the Holy Ghost. And we're believing that these kids are going to catch fire. And we're going to see a move of God in our city. And God is preparing things internationally and other places for this thing to move. And we're going to be carriers of the glory. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going, amen? amen? That's what we're building. Because we want to see a move of God in our generation. It's not just about Sunday mornings. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. And it's about people coming to know God. Amen? amen. That's why we have to have strong families in this house. So that we have, the, we have a right model for what a home needs to look like. And today we're celebrating fathers. Do we have any fathers up in here? Up in here. And so I want to share a couple of things today uh, before we close. What a powerful service today already. What the Lord has done here today is He's really broken some stuff free on the inside of us. And joy is actually a gift of the Lord. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And I tell you, when you have joy, you actually have the presence of God come in to fill you. Because in His presence is fullness of joy it's a whole nother thing you ask Manny he'll tell you and you know Mike is the ultimate comedian he's like this comedian of joy here he didn't hit one thing yesterday I watched him I was praying I was there I was praying it was like I don't know I, I was really praying for him So he was talking from experience when he was up here. But I was right there next to him. I didn't hit anything either, so I have no room to talk. <laughs> so the two highest attended services are Christmas and Easter. Did you know that? The third highest attended service in the year is Mother's Day. Right there by Jesus. Christmas and Easter. The least attended, least attended service out of all the holidays is Father's Day. Except at Pure Church. We break every statistic all the time. And so they did a survey and they found that if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian... There's a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. 
If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability that everyone in the household will follow. But when a father is first, there is a 93% probability that everyone in the household will follow. So man, we have the power of influence over our families. And we need to understand that how we act, our children are going to follow the same pattern. And the last thing we want to do is provoke our children to anger. How do you do that? By telling your children something to do that you don't do. You will punish them for doing things that you do. And that's how you provoke your children to anger. Look at somebody and say, don't, don't, don't do what I say. Do what I do. And as men, we have to lead by example in our households. If you open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 17. Father Abraham. And many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them. So let's all praise the Lord. Father Abraham. All right, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell down on the ground, And then the Lord said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of multitude nation, a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It'll no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham for you will be the father of many nations. And I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. And I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your ancestors after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, say land, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. So here we have someone, Abram, whose father was an idol maker, and God appears to him one day and he says, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. If you will live blameless before me and serve me, I'll make a covenant with you and I will bless you and I will bless every generation after you. Isn't that good? And so go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis, Genesis. It's French. So now this is Isaac, Abraham's son, because it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis 26, verse 24. Then the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. So here we see that God reveals himself to Abram, changes his name to Abraham, 
puts a covenant blessing on him. He, now he tells him, you will be the father of many nations. Here he has Isaac. Say Isaac. And now God appears to Isaac. And the same promise he made to his father Abraham, he puts on his child. Say generational blessings. Then go to Genesis 28, 13 through 15. In Genesis chapter 28, we read about Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And you and your descendants shall, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So here we see God reveals himself to Abram. Abram begins to follow God. Then God reveals himself to Isaac and says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Then he reveals himself to Jacob. He says, I am the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac. The question I have for every man in this house, who do your children say your God is? Who is your God? Do your children know who your God is? Who is the God you serve? Do you wake up every day running off the money? Do you wake up every day just going out there to bring in more and more money, to buy more things, to bring more things to the house, to go on another vacation, to buy more stuff, to build wealth? Because if all we do is get up, go to work, come home and sleep, eat, wake up the next day, go to work, but we never spend time in relationship with God our Father, coming to the house of God. And as men, if we don't lead the way by example, how are our children ever going to encounter the God we know? If we as men carry the influence in our homes that our children will follow, then we must set the example. Does your wife know the God you serve? Do your children know the God you serve? Because the God you serve, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will encounter that same God if you will live for Him, if you will serve Him, if you will obey Him. Can we get an amen? amen. Who is the God of my Father? I was thinking about things that I could share with you today. You know, who is this God we serve? Who is He as a Father to us? And then I was thinking about us as fathers. What is the greatest thing we can do for our families? What are some practical things we can do? And one of the most practical things that you can do as a father is treat your wife right. Yeah. We had a lot of joy earlier. Because <laughs> we had to comatose you to deal with the word that's about to be delivered <laughs> got to do some surgery can I get an amen, amen. 
And so what you're going to realize is your children are watching how you treat your wife. And if you mistreat her, this is where all the ladies put their arms around their husbands now. If you, and they're going to rub backs. It's okay, baby. I'm with you. I'll sew you up afterwards. Go ahead, pastor. Have, have your way. <laughs> she's supposed to treat her like she's the only one. There's no one else but her. She's supposed to be the queen. Can I get an amen? amen. You're supposed to protect her. Say protect her. Amen. You're supposed to carry the load. You are the priest of your home. What does that mean? That means you take all the needs of your family to God. And you can believe the Lord to give you everything that you need for your children and for your family. All you have to do is come before the Lord as the priest of your home. When you don't know how to fix something or work something out, you don't have to have the wisdom. You just have to know God. You can go to God and say, God, I'm a dummy. I don't know how to do this. Help me, Jesus. And guess what? God... Hey, he loves the humble heart. He will come and he'll bring a solution to the problem real quickly. And he will show off that he is the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And even in our ignorance, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll come through for you. Amen. And so how you treat your spouse is super important. The way you talk to her, the way you treat her, what you expect from her. Do you serve her? Wow, it went silent. <laughs> so the idea is you serve me. That's really not how it works. You serve one another. And whatever the responsibilities are in the household, you work at it together. Say so it's our responsibility. Especially if both of you are working, which is probably 95% of households nowadays. So it's not fair for the husband to go to work and then come home and put his butt on the couch and expect his wife who worked the whole day to do everything else in the house. I know this is real encouraging stuff. We're going to get to the good part in a minute. If I don't run out of time. Take my time. 50 bucks to Miss Kim right there. Amen. And so, fathers, the way that you treat your children is important. As the father of the home, it is your responsibility to cover your kids, to protect your kids, to provide for your kids. But... We also have to ensure that our kids grow up to be who God has called them to be. And if you are not leading the example spiritually, it's impossible to do that. Because the most vital piece of the puzzle is missing. And if your marriage is not founded with God in the center, and your household isn't founded with God at the center, your household will fall apart. And no matter how much you shout, uh, no matter what you do, it's not going to fix the problem. And the problem starts with man and his relationship with the father. And that is the first thing we as men have to get in order. Before work, 
before any of that, your relationship with God has to be first. And if your relationship with God isn't first, nothing else is going to work. I'm telling you the truth. Look at somebody and tell them your relationship with God has to be first. If it's not first, nothing else will work. The Word of God has to be the foundation for your life. You know, guys, we always think about making money. You know, how are we going to make money? How are we going to do it? Huh? And then we listen to all these stupid ideas. And we're investing in all these crazy things. And none of it pans out. Why? Because there is no get-rich-quick scheme that ever works. Wealth comes through hard work and saving and discipline and faithfulness. Can I get an amen? That's how you build wealth. What are you building? Stop running off to some get-rich-quick scheme. It's going to put your household like this. Find what God has called you to do. Stick with it. Live righteously. Seek first the kingdom of God. And God will add everything unto you in every season. You get another kid in your house. You don't know how that extra increase is coming. Don't worry about it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously. And God will add all things unto you. The resources and the finances will come because you're living to obey God and serve the Lord. Can I get an amen? And so building your life on the Word of God, building your life on the principles in the Word is key. Because you and your household have to have a standard that you live by. Say a standard. And God sets the standard and God tests our faithfulness when we obey that standard. Or disobey it. And let me say this, God does not reward disobedience. You, you can stand in a disobedient place all day long and cry out to God to help you. But until you shift your life under the commands of God and be obedient, you do not tap into the blessing of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, you have to build your life on the commands of God. Because that's how you get rooted and grounded in the love of God. And if you will get rooted and grounded in obeying the Lord's commandments, God will pour out all the blessing upon your life and upon your family. The Word of God is the standard that you have to live by when it comes to your marriage. If there is ever a dispute or an argument in the household based on culture or any other thing, you go to the Word of God and you let the Word of God settle your decisions. You don't go to Auntie Susie and Uncle Jojo. And ask their opinions. You don't live by the opinions of people. You live by the opinions of God and the will of God and is written in His Word. Every solution is in your Bible. These are things we all know, but it's just we don't apply it. Oh, now we're preaching. We know this, but we don't do it. And it's time. Look at the person who said, it's time. We're going to do what the Word of God says. As for me and my house, we're going to live by the Word of God. And so let's take a look at some things here, some scriptures. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. We want to take a look at some things here that the Bible has to say about God. Verse 3 says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is also the Father of Jesus. 
And what has he done? He has blessed us. Say, has blessed. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before we made the world, God loved us. That was a long time ago. It says, before he made the world, God loved us. Say, before he made the world. Before the world was even formed, God already loved us. Do you wonder if God loves you? He loves you. And he says, he chose us to be in Christ. He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So the day that you believe in Jesus Christ and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God adopts you. Look at somebody and say, God adopts me into his family. We're no longer orphans. We have a father. So it doesn't matter. It does matter. But at the end of the day, if you find the love of your heavenly father, if your earthly father failed in any way, God will make up for it. Look at somebody and say, God will make up for it. And every one of us have an imperfect father. They did the best that they can do, uh, you know, in the circumstances. They could have made better choices in some areas. But one thing's for sure. You learned from the good things your father did, and you learned from the things he did wrong too. And if you'll just get over the bitterness and the anger and the judgment, you can learn from your father's mistakes instead of judging him and then making the same mistakes. Yeah, I'm preaching now. Now I'm preaching. That was like Pastor Mike's truth bombs he was delivering earlier. And what you need to understand is the minute you judge your father for his mistakes, because of generational curse and how it works in judgment, that curse passes on to you. But when you release your father from the things that he did wrong, you step under God's provision and God's blessing because that's what Christ requires for you to live in his covenant. Because God says, if you will not forgive those who have hurt you, I cannot forgive you your sins either. Who wants to step into the blessing? Well, then you have to forgive your father. Some of our fathers were non-existent. Some of our fathers were abusive. Some of our fathers mistreated our moms. We have all kinds of different situations. There are even some fathers that were epic, that were awesome. Amen? And so we're to honor our mother and father. That's what the Bible says. It is a position that they deserve because of who they are. Honor. That means you don't speak badly of your mother or father. You're not tearing them down behind their backs. And listen, I, you know, when you have bitterness in your heart towards your parents, you've got to get that junk out of you. And if you'll come to the cross and you will forgive them and you'll ask God to heal you from all of the stuff that you went through, He will set you free. He will restore you. And you can step into God's love and you can begin to give that love to your children. But if all you're doing is tearing down your parents how bad they were, what are your children hearing every single day? And we have to watch the division in our family lines. The enemy is the one who divides. Say that. Say the enemy, the enemy. comes to divide and bring destruction. 
And the enemy wants to divide families. He wants to separate moms from dads, children from parents. He wants to separate brothers from sisters. And pride is the wall that goes up that has to be brought down to bring restoration. And we as Christians, we need to come to the place where we release all of the hurt, the pain, what they took, what they did, what they said. We've got to come to a place where our hearts get filled with God's love. And through compassion, we can humble ourselves to bring restoration. It's not about who's right. God's right. Can I get an amen? God's word is true. And there's only a fight if there's pride. The only way there's a fight is if there's pride in between your relationships. And it's not just one-sided. Every fight has two sides. So if you think you did nothing wrong, you better look in the mirror because if there's division, you're part of it. Lord, just bring some more of that gas right now. We need some more of that holy laughter gas in the room. Ha ha, hee hee, Say the word of God. Judges the innermost intents and thoughts of the heart. So if you're feeling like, eh, something's being exposed on the inside of you, yeah, that's the Word of God going to cut something out of you to bring restoration to your life and to bring restoration to your family. Blessed are the peacemakers. Are you going to be the peacemaker in your household? Or are you going to allow that to continue to your children and your grandchildren? You say, it won't go that far. Oh, absolutely. My wife came home yesterday or the day before and she said something just talking about somebody and I started getting irritated with this person and then I said to her isn't it funny that if you just mention something about a person that I will pick up your offense and it's not she wasn't even offended she was just saying something and I was like wow how quick you are to stand up and protect your wife and want to uh, shaka Zulu, baby. And what you have to realize is that, woman, your words in the household, your husbands will pick up your offenses like that. And the walls that they will put up, they will put up walls between people. So you have to watch your mouth because your bitterness will transfer to him and vice versa. We have to clean these things out. Can I get an amen? Because what do we want to do? We want to bring unity in homes before God so that God can put his commanded blessing on the household. And the enemy wants to use stuff like money and things to divide people. And if you ever allow stuff to get in between your relationships, you're allowing the God of this world to divide your relationship that God has put together. Stuff can be replaced. God says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom and all things will be added to you. So keeping that relationship before God is very, very important. But keeping your relationship with your spouse is just as important. Can I get an amen? Do you know that on your wedding day, God was there and He witnessed the vows that you made to your wife? We should probably read that. 
Because some of you are looking at me like, no, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Go to the book of Malachi, right where he talks about tithing. He brings up the same issue. Two issues God brings up. One is, hey, you've robbed me. But then two, you're mistreating your wife. I don't know why I'm on this subject. Ladies, your husband is going to be a better man after today. I tell you, he's going to love you more. He's going to be way better than he was yesterday. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. Are we not all the children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? Judah's been unfaithful and detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Christian men, don't marry a woman who worships idols. Probably not a good idea. Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears. Sorry, where am I? Twelve. I went one too far. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every lost man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she has remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? What does God want from your marriage? Godly children from your union. That's what God expects from your marriage. Godly children from your union. That's why we hear about this, don't be unequally yoked. It's so important who you marry. Look at the person next to you say, the closest thing to heaven and hell on earth is your marriage. And who you marry is important. So don't marry an idol worshiper. If you can't bring your spouse to church, you shouldn't marry that person. If they can't sit in the anointing, they're not willing to give their life to the Lord. They're not willing to turn their life around. You don't need to marry that person, all you single ladies, all you single men. Because it'll be hell. I'm telling you right now. It might be bliss in the beginning, but just wait till the honeymoon wears over. And the responsibility of life kicks in. And you don't have the foundations in the word of God. And you're not living to serve God. There's no covenant of blessing over your life. You have a foundation of division. There's no joy in that. That marriage will unfold and will become a very bitter thing in your life. Unless there's a supernatural miracle of God. Is a, this is a deep subject, Jesus. Why am I so deep all of a sudden? Say, the Lord loves me. And we're just uprooting some stuff this morning. Amen. Look at the person next to you. Say, we're just dealing with junk so that we can be pure, so that we can have the blessing. We can walk in the blessing of God. And so 
You have to guard your heart. You have to be, you remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. You weary him by asking, where is the God of justice? And so, family, we need to, we need to get our relationships right in the household. We want every family in this church to have a strong household. Husbands and wives walking in covenant with the Lord. Their children being submitted to the parents, serving the Lord, and the covenant of blessing upon your lives. And we have to fight division. You have to make a decision that you're not going to let anything come between you and your family. Can I get an amen? And listen, it has to be that way in the church too. Because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And anytime you have the opportunity to get offended at a brother or sister, you have to work that thing out and not take an offense. Build up walls to that person and then get a little posse together to be against somebody in the house of God. How are we ever going to make a difference in our community if we can't get it together in this room as brothers and sisters in Christ? Amen. And our first mission field isn't the community. It's your own household. It starts in your household with your wife and with your children. That is your first mission field, men. And you have to do whatever it takes to get your household in order first. I didn't get any amens on that. It's like, yeah, just keep, just keep yapping, dude. No, you got to say, I'm going to do this. I am personally taking responsibility for my family, and things are changing in our household, and we are moving forward because if we build it on God's foundation, the blessing of Lord is going to hit our homes, and we're going to see an overflow on every side. But if we're indifferent and we're complacent, don't expect anything to change. You'll have what you had yesterday. Can you say amen? amen. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus came to reveal his Father to us. Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with God, our Father. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, honored be your name, or hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, God is our Father, and we can pray to Him as our Father. Talking to God is prayer. Look at the person next to you and tell him, talking to God is how you pray. It's a communication. But it's two-way. It's not you just talking and then walking out the room. It is you talking to the Lord and waiting for Him to respond. 
Can I get an amen? amen? And so that's what prayer really is. And a lot of people don't like praying. Because your prayers don't get results. But if you pray according to the word of God and ask according to the word, every prayer will get answered. The other thing is you've got to stop just asking God for stuff all the time. And start asking the Lord, hey, Lord, hey, Father, I'm struggling in this area. Can you help me figure out where things are going wrong? Check my heart, Lord. What's in me? Where do I need to be corrected? Your prayer should not be, hey, fix my wife, fix my kids, fix my boss. Your prayer should be, hey, Lord, fix my attitude first. Deal with me, God, so I can love them, so that I can be gracious towards others. So anytime you have a button being pushed on the inside of you, there is a trigger that has to be dismantled. If your emotions are like this, it's because your mind isn't fixed on the things of God. And the enemy is pushing those buttons to get you emotionally out of whack. Can I get an amen? And so instead of always being out of whack, we need to say, God, what is this trigger on the inside of me when somebody says this thing or I'm in this situation that I get out of peace? Living in the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Anytime you're not in peace, anytime you don't have joy, you're outside of how God wants you to live. That is a good practical example what is the state of your being in every moment of the day? And I want to encourage you, men and women, you have to check your emotional state on the reg. And anytime your emotions start moving out of whack, you have to ask yourself, why is the enemy allowing to pull me out of righteousness, peace, and joy, kingdom living? And if you will just ask the Lord to reveal those things to you, he'll reveal them to you so that he can set the captive free. Can I get an Amen. All right, we're almost there. We're getting through this. I know this is hard. We're plowing. We're digging. We're going to gush some water here any minute. Say, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Who is God? 1 John 1 verse 5 says, God is light. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect endowment is from above, coming from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, do we have any parents in here? If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? No. Or if, you, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful pair of people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Say, God is light. Say, God is good. God is a giver of good gifts. God does not lie. His word is true. If you have a promise from God, you can stand on it, and God will fulfill that promise in your life. Say, God is good. The devil is bad. Hebrews 6, 18 says, God cannot lie when he makes a promise, and he cannot lie when he makes an oath. So every promise and every covenant that God has, he keeps it. 
He's a covenant-keeping God. James 1, 13 through 15 says, When you are tempted to do wrong, don't say, God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted, and He never tempts anyone. Say, God doesn't tempt me. So temptation does not come from God. Say, temptation does not come from God. A man is tempted to do wrong when he lets himself be led by his bad thoughts, telling him what to do. Say, temptation comes from within us. Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> That's quite a far way. And have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addressing his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. Enduring hardship as discipline, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us, parents, for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline, say no discipline, seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. What is this passage of Scripture saying? I want to make it very clear that God does not punish you by hurting you. God does not punish you by putting sickness on you. God does not punish you by putting disease on you. The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we would have life and have it more abundantly. But if you refuse to obey God's commands, then you are under the curse. Is everybody with me? So if you're not living according to the command, you're going to endure struggle in that area. And you have to come to the point of breaking down and surrendering that area and saying, God, you take control. Everybody with me? So God allows you to go through that hardship until you break and turn to Him. Is everybody with me? So God doesn't hurt you. God doesn't punish you. God doesn't do that. You actually do it to yourself because you're refusing to come into alignment. God does not reward disobedience. And we as children, we do not reward our children for disobedience. So why should we expect God to be any different? Is this true? And so God will allow us to go on in our struggle until we surrender. But He's there ready to heal you, to bring you out of it, to be good to you when you turn to Him. Can I get an amen? Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 says, God is righteous and just. 
Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Romans 2, 6 through 11 says, God is just. Say, God is just. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, by persistence in doing doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first the Jew and then the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first the Jew and then the Gentile. And this is it right here. For God has no favorites. He doesn't show favoritism. Say, God doesn't have favorites. He's just and he's righteous. He will reward those who are obedient and there'll be punishment for those who are disobedient. And families, let me say this to you. If you do not correct your children, you are going to raise kids that are going to be rebellious everywhere they go. What is the best way to correct your children? In love. I know. I know there's that moment where the, the, the pressure pops. And then we want to swat. Want to beat. But disciplining your children in anger is never good. Right? And so you have to correct your children. You have to talk to them and say, hey, the reason your dad's upset with you right now is because you spent $305 out of my bank account. And because you did that playing video games, there is a punishment that comes with it. Now go to my room, pick the weapon, and decide what you want to be beat with. Since that day, my son has asked me every time he needs to buy something. (laughs) Let me talk about my son, my perfect son. The reason he's perfect now is because we corrected him. Love you, Blade. Blade used to pick on his sister all the time. He was mean to her. He would take her stuff. He would hit her. He, would, he was just mean to Paige. And I would say to him, Blade, you got to stop picking on your sister. Yes, Dad. Again and again and again and again. And one day I lost it. And I got in his face. And I let him know that if he ever put his hand on his sister again, I would beat the hell out of him. And guess what? He didn't do it again. There is this authority that you carry as a father that you can get in your child's face and make it known to them the fear of God. Can I get an Amen. But you will no longer treat your sister this way. I have spoken to you how many times? And this time you're going to get it. Because if I have to grab you, I can break some things if I have to. And you will know what it feels like to hurt your sister. How would you like it if somebody stronger than you picked on you? 
it was a it was a rough conversation i felt a little guilty afterwards but we we corrected it can we get amen and so you have to get through to your children and explain to them what is right and what is wrong amen but you got to do it in love and you got to help them understand not just beat them and a great way to do it is have them write out love scripture love is patient love is kind keeps no record of wrong you just have your kids write out scriptures and then ask your children how does God feel about the way you're acting right now because it's not just about you at the end of the day they have to serve the Lord how does God feel about the way you're treating your sister right now how does God feel about you stealing from your parents right now bring it back to the Word of God and show them correct them from the word that we all serve in God and this is the standard we live at can I get an amen and so it's important that we don't just beat our children and yell at our children and expect our children to change when we're not spending the time with them and talking to them and correcting them and showing them the right way to live. If God is patient with us, I think we should be patient with our kids. And if you need help, then cry out for help. My wife was telling me a story yesterday that broke my heart. I woke up with the story that apparently there was a father. I didn't read the article. But she said there was a father who had a three-year-old and a four-year-old and like a seven-year-old. He put them outside on the front and executed them in the head, shot all three of his kids. I was ripped when I heard that yesterday. That is not how a father is supposed to treat their children. Family. And so we have been given the responsibility to raise our kids. Amen. And if you are struggling, whether you're a mother or you're a father and you're struggling, you have to ask for help. Don't resort to the place where you kill your kids or you kill yourself because that is not the solution. Can I get an amen? amen. We're almost done here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are seven things that God hates. And if God hates these things, then we should hate them too. Number one. There are six things God, the Lord hates, no seven he detests. Haughty eyes, say pride. A lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. God does not like abortion, by the way. Just by the way. A heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And finally, a person who sows division or discord in a family. God hates these things. God wants homes united. Amen. God does not like these things. And if God doesn't like these things, then we need to be strong on these things. We, we don't permit pride in our lives, in our children's lives. Pride is bragging. Right? It's this boastful bragging spirit. We don't allow it. Even if your kids have nice things or you have a nice car or you have a nice piece of jewelry, don't go around bragging. God does not like that. Can I get an amen? Whatever we have, if God requires of it of us, we will give it immediately. Amen? amen. Whatever he requires. But we are not going to let stuff label us and we're going to walk in pride because of things. We're going to get our identity straight in the Lord and things are just things. Amen? 
We don't, we don't like lying. There is no white lie. There's no little lie. Lie is a lie. Can I get an amen? Don't lie to Selena, Pastor Selena. Don't lie to Pastor Misty because you'll be in deep doo-doo, Jaja. Amen. Hearts that plot evil, feet that race to do wrong. Do not pour out lies against other people. Don't lie about your neighbors. And don't cause disunity in your home. Be strong on those things. What does God love? Hebrews 11.6 says, faith pleases him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those. Say, God's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. Everything you need, you can get from God. Say that. Anything I need, I can get it from God, but it comes by faith. Say, by faith. Not by whining, not by complaining, not by manipulating, not by faith without hints is dead. It comes by faith. Where you believe God, you find a scripture, you believe God for it. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom, live righteously, he'll add all things unto you. Father, I'm living right. This is what I need for my family. God, will you please provide it? He'll provide it. He always provides everything you need because he's a good father. Can I get an amen? And in closing, 1 John 4, 7 through 20. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Say, God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Say, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we, should all, we, surely should, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, then God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and that he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on judgment day, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For we don't, if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? You opened up my eyes to so much more.